in the beginning, it's easy for them to manipulate you when you have nothing and they're literally providing you with everything. Um, and they have that control over you. It kind of became just like giving in to them because I felt obligated, you know, to do certain things with them in order for them to keep providing for me. If they would be physically abusive towards you, you know, then they would remind you that they were like your primary source of income, your primary, you know, place to have a roof over your head to feed you. So even though that part of it was there, it, it's kind of like you were willing to sacrifice. I was willing to sacrifice enduring that because without that person, like I had, I thought I had nothing. Hello and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host, Natalie Donham. Today is a solo mission. Part of my interest in the topic of elite ongoings is the massive scale of human trafficking happening worldwide. When people say there is no longer slavery, they are either unaware of this issue or willfully obtuse. That is why I find it interesting that sex work, the Orwellian term for prostitution, is touted by global institutions like the UN and foundations like SWAN, the Sex Workers' Rights Advocacy Network. The international symbol for sex workers is a red umbrella, I find this odd because the first time I came across it was in a gender ideology indoctrination book by Kate Bornstein. Bornstein is a transsexual male living in New York. He seems to be a shill for the New World Order and possibly a Satanist, as seen in his other book about alternatives to suicide. One alternative is to make a deal with the devil. In one of his books about gender identity, Bornstein says that some people think that a world government is scary, but he doesn't. In fact, he tries awkwardly to recruit vulnerable young people into gender ideology and the New World Order. According to Swan, they use the red umbrella symbol because red is a color of beauty, and an umbrella is the resistance to skies and humans' attacks. It symbolizes protection from the abuse sex workers are subjected to by the police, pimps, customers, and an ignorant society. Interesting that one of the problems is an ignorant society. I guess you're ignorant if you think that sex work is anything but empowering and transformative for women. This is obvious lunacy. Sex work traps women into a situation most feel like they can't get out of. The voice you heard at the beginning of this episode was that of a woman only known as Ali. She was prostituted for five years on the streets of one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in Philadelphia, Kensington and Allegheny, known by locals as K&A. I find the connection between peddling a one-world government and transgenderism interesting because the UN has fully adopted, if not perpetuated, this language. For more on the use of gender identity, in world government literature, look into the Yogi Yakarta principles, which outline how global human rights issues should include gender identity, a nebulous term with no real definable meaning. Another foundation interested in perpetuating the sex work narrative is the Robert Carr Fund, a foundation initially committed to HIV prevention, runs a sex worker networks consortium, including SWAN. 11% of their funding comes from none other than the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Other donors include the UK Government Department for International Development 
and the U.S. President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief via the Joint United Nations Program on HIV-AIDS. According to the Robert Carr Fund's website, their mission is to mobilize and deliver core and strategic funding for regional and global networks to achieve four outcomes, protecting and promoting human rights, improving access to HIV services, mobilizing and monitoring national and international funding for human rights and health, building capacity of civil society and community networks. Instead of actually protecting trafficked women and girls, let's hand out condoms. It honestly sounds like they want to create trafficking networks when they say things like community. Obviously, the prevention of HIV is a big deal, but you know what else would prevent prostitutes from getting HIV? Abolition of prostitution and the liberation of so-called sex workers. I believe that if money wasn't a factor, many of these women would not participate in so-called sex work. That is why I support the Nordic model which it seems the UN, the Robert Carr Fund, and SWAN have never heard of. We have test cases where the legalization of prostitution creates a market for sex traffickers. Nevada is a hub for sex trafficking. According to Neetha Kay at Nyal.com, Nevada is not just a sex trafficking hub. The Department of Justice rated Las Vegas among the top 17 destinations for traffickers to target. But the state also ranks among the top five in the prevalence of women murdered by men in the country, according to the Violence Policy International study of data from 2017. According to the organization called Human Trafficking Initiative, legalized prostitution in Nevada led to the state having the highest rates of illegal sex trade in the country, adjusted for population 63% higher than the next highest state of New York and double that of Florida. Many people don't seem to connect the issue of male violence and men who buy sex, but what kind of human thinks it's okay to purchase another one's body? I believe that this society has been engineered to accept this kind of behavior as normal. That is why we see strange, sanitized phrases like sex work, which, like gender identity, is an umbrella term ranging from no to low, to full contact, sex work. Aren't the symbols and connections here interesting? Why would a book about gender identity feature red umbrellas, the international symbol for sex work? The term sex work implies that this is a job much like any other, but this just isn't true. What kind of job is renting your body? The majority of women and children in sex work are trafficked, Often there are delineations that are attempted to be made between the women that choose to do this and others that do not. I think both situations incur harm, whether it be psychological, in the case of no to low contact, or full-on sexual assault. There are arguments like those that choose to do it are consenting. However, if the money weren't present, would this woman, who is likely very young, be sleeping with a man far more senior? You know the scenario. The answer is likely no. Money is coercion. The Nordic model punishes the men buying sex and offers alternatives to prostitutes. Why would Amnesty International try to legalize sex work? Surely the liberation of these women and children from sex slavery should be at the top of any human rights orgs list. However, it is these foundations and global institutions 
promoting an industry that supports and thrives off of the sex trade. Some foundations involving children have been linked to it. In 2018, Mother Teresa's charity was investigated for child trafficking. According to Newsweek, the Catholic charity set up by Mother Teresa in India is being investigated over allegations that it was involved in selling children in its care. The Indian government has ordered an inspection of all child care centers run by the missionaries of charity after two of its employees were arrested over the sale of several children earlier this month. The investigation stems from Missionaries of Charity Shelter for Pregnant Unmarried Women, a nun, Sister Concilia, and a social worker, Anmina Indwar, were arrested after four children were found to have been sold, including a six-month-old boy, for as little as $730. Indwar has confessed to her involvement, and all four children have been tracked down. Could it be that many other foundations are using their connections to the most vulnerable women and children only to end up trafficking them? We know that in 2010, a Clinton Foundation-backed NGO was caught trying to smuggle children out of Haiti into the Dominican Republic. According to the Clinton emails, the Haitian authorities were trying to arrest Silsby. Prosecutors say a U.S. missionary should spend six months in prison for trying to take 33 children out of the country following the January 12th earthquake, Prosecutor Sonel Jean-Francois told a court, it is clear Laura Silsby knew she had broken Haitian law. The prosecutor spoke after the Idaho woman testified on the first day of her trial. Silsby was the head of New Life Children's Refuge, in a document about her organization, it details the mission to rescue orphans from Haiti and put them in temporary housing in the Dominican Republic. NLCR is in the process of buying land and building an orphanage, school, and church on the northern coast of the Dominican Republic. Given the urgent needs from this earthquake, God has laid upon our hearts the need to go now versus waiting until the permanent facility is built. He has provided a solution nearby where we will be leasing a 45-room hotel and converting it into an orphanage until the building is complete. This interim location will enable us to provide a loving environment for up to 150 children from infants to 12 years old. However, Silsby never even turned in paperwork to the Dominican Republic for the approval of the orphanage. Jorge Puello Torres the lawyer hired to represent Silsby was also a criminal. According to Reuters, in 2010, he was wanted by El Salvador as a suspect in human trafficking ring and was detained at a car wash in the city. He was arrested in the Dominican Republic's capital on a warrant issued by Interpol. U.S. and Dominican Republic authorities have been looking for Pueyo after El Salvador officials said they suspected him of being involved in running a human trafficking ring that recruited Central American and Caribbean women and girls and forced them to work as prostitutes. The allegations emerged after Pueyo offered his services as a legal advisor to 10 U.S. Christian missionaries who were arrested by Haitian authorities late in January and accused of trying to take 33 children over the border into the Dominican Republic after the devastating January 12th earthquake in Haiti.
And according to the New York Times, there were questions about whether Mr. Pueo, the advisor who said the Central Valley Baptist Church in Idaho had hired him to represent the Americans, was licensed to practice law. Records at the College of Lawyers in the Dominican Republic listed no one with his name. Mr. Pueo said in the interview that he had been representing the Americans free of charge because he was a religious man who commiserated with their situation. We're not going to charge these people a dime. What a strange situation. A sex trafficker, who probably isn't even a lawyer, is representing another alleged sex trafficker. I guess pimps have to stick together. Obviously, the UN and Amnesty International and the Robert Carr Foundation also protect pimps by advocating for legalizing prostitution. The Clintons remain central to the controversy concerning Silsby and her fake orphanage. How could they let this happen? I think we all know the answer. Bill Clinton was on the Lolita Express at least six times, according to the Washington Examiner. Flight manifests reveal at least six separate journeys, two of which were without Secret Service agents. The two trips not acknowledged by Clinton were from Miami, Florida, to Westchester, New York, in early February 2002, which appears to be the first time that Clinton joined Epstein and a trip in Asia. One May 2002 Asian trip without Secret Service agents included stops in Japan, Hong Kong, China, Thailand, and Brunei. The other, in November 2003, with Secret Service agents, included stops in Norway, Siberia, Hong Kong, and China. Many of these destinations, including Japan and Thailand, are huge in the sex trade. We know that the Clintons are in deep with known traffickers. Other foundations seem to be in lockstep with the sex work narrative, and the Democratic Party is often talking about decriminalizing prostitution, which is just going to open the market up to traffickers. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren both back decriminalization to protect sex workers, according to the New York Post. Bernie believes that decriminalization is certainly something that should be considered, Sanders spokeswoman Sarah Ford told The Post. Other countries have done this, and it is shown to make the lives of sex workers safer. And Warren said, I'm open to decriminalization. Sex workers, like all workers, deserve autonomy, but they are particularly vulnerable physically and financial abuse and hardship. Bernie's camp is obviously wrong. The only thing that protects these women are policies like the Nordic model and better social safety nets. Warren also sounds out of touch at best. The reason so-called sex workers are vulnerable is because they are literally selling their bodies. If they didn't have to make this choice, if there were better social safety nets, they would be better off. Of course, the Democrats won't discuss policies like this because it seems like they are knee-deep in the sex trafficking industry. It isn't much better for Trump, who recently said, I wish her well, at a press conference when referring to Ghislaine Maxwell, perhaps one of the biggest players in the international sex extortion racket. I believe that other organizations who put themselves in close proximity to the most vulnerable are also involved in the sex trade. This is a huge global industry that is only expanding. According to Forbes, Global statistics on human trafficking are on the rise. Every day, thousands of women, men, and children are trafficked worldwide for various exploitative purposes. 
The International Labor Organization estimates that there are currently 25 million victims of human trafficking around the world, and annually the business of human trafficking globally generates an estimated $150 billion in profits, according to the ILO. We find ourselves looking at a huge moneymaker for many people, and that is why global organizations back the sex work narrative. They are nothing more than the protectors of pimps. What is particularly nefarious is that these same global institutions are supposed to care about human rights. However, it seems that the international community cares little for the lives wrecked in the wake of the sex trade. I believe that this is all by design. The sex trade and its interests want to keep us disconnected and addicted to pornography. In this way, we are subdued into thinking that all of this is normal. We must resist and see the humanity of women and children who are silently traded by elite people addicted to their own power and depravity. Thank you for listening. I hope you're having an awesome time doing whatever you're doing, and I hope you tune in again soon. Thanks.